2: Jeter. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast
1: with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. Now is that Thursday, 2020? Or 2021, what year is this Thursday podcast taking place in? Because the Yankees baseball I'm watching lately feels a lot like the 2021 team, but somehow with fewer reliable bullpen options. Last year, it was always somebody you knew letting you down. It was ago or Britton or Chapman or Chad Green picking the worst possible time to ruin a game, ruin a stretch, kill momentum. This year, You don't even have those guys to go to. Luizaga is a bottom-tier reliever in Major League Baseball. Chapman is fighting his way back. Zach Britton uh, told Aaron Boone not to pitch him last year because he didn't feel confident, and he had an elbow problem. Yeah, he had an elbow problem. Uh, He's been out for the entire season. might be coming back, and Chad Green, of course, went down with Tommy John. There were two reliable Yankee relievers. Michael King was one of them. He's now gone. Uh, The bullpen has been an abject disaster lately but guess what so is the offense and so is the rotation the yankees won the first game of the Mariners series that you might have slept through they won it convincingly it was very exciting to see the offense wake up then the offense took a nosedive for the two games that followed seattle took the series again just like they did at the yankee stadium last week and now we go to fenway park the red sox are 54 and 58 they're playing like garbage. Their pitching is the 30th ranked pitching staff in basically every stat since the beginning of the month of July. But does that matter? You've seen games at Fenway Park. Does that matter? Tommy Pham hit a three-run home run last night. He's at three homers in as many games, and that's more impressive than anything any Yankee other than Aaron Judge is doing right now. So who am I to Aaron Judge, the terrible 2022 Red Sox? I'm prepared for more trash uh man oh man oh man what a 2021 throwback thomas carinante welcome to the podcast uh i i can't believe we're still doing this i can't believe that we did this podcast in 2020 and we're like (laughs) well this is the most uh painful uninteresting 80 season i've ever gone through and at least i can't see my friends or go outside then we do it in 2021 and the team is somehow more frustrating uh, the the most frustrating, most inconsistent, or most consistently offensively putrid 92-and-70 team you've ever seen gets no breaks all season long. Uh, with a couple of breaks in the right direction, last year's team probably wins 98 games, uh, but they get absolutely nothing that goes their way. And they they live out a worst-case scenario, go on the road and lose the wildcard game. This year, I mean, what's worse? Never having that consistency like last year or being... 52 and 18 and 61 and 23 and then still now in the middle of August being here saying uh I hate this team just as much as I hate last year's team. I was watching a Rugnet Odor 2021 home run highlight reel yesterday. That's how painful it's gotten. I like purposely watched that and here we are with a team that was uh up until recently had their worst month of the year in July and played 500 ball and that was frustrating. And now in August they have just completed a Uh, One and seven stretch leading into an off day after, again, they were struggling already. I mean, Clay Holmes blew the save to wrap the Royals series, So they, but they did take three out of four in that series, and they took the first game right after that against Seattle to push themselves to 70 and 34. Uh, I mean, very frustrating to hear people complain about a 70 and 34 team, I'm sure, as we already were doing last week. This is never easy, et cetera. Now they're 71 and 41. And going to Fenway Park. So, can we complain now? Is one in seven bad enough for us to complain? Is uh, what are they seven and thirteen since the break? Is that bad enough? Uh, Is ten and eighteen since that blown game? The last time we were at Fenway Park, is that bad enough to complain? Or how do you have to get worse? I'm just checking in for the gatekeepers. I
3: think if you're if you're a fair weather fan, you have no right to be upset. Um, If you're just sitting here hanging out for the ride. You see the Yankees are, you know, uh, 71 and 41. Oh, it's pretty good. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Um, But, you know, the first time I got mad at the Yankees this year um, was that Mets series. Um, and that was, that was what? Uh, not even two weeks ago now? Not just, even two just weeks ago. Over,
1: just over two weeks ago. So yeah. that was like Tuesday, Wednesday, two weeks ago.
3: Yeah, and that was the first time it pissed me off because it was what we were. So we warned ourselves. We warned the listeners. Don't know how many there are right now, but we warned warned you guys. guys. We talked to you about this. We warned you. The 2021 problems never went away. They just went dormant. What's been the problem with this team for since 2020 at least? Because 2018 and 2019 were interesting cases. You had guys go down with injuries, but – they had this weird system of depth where they kind of always made the right roster moves and unsung heroes stepped up. You had, you know, what who'd you have? You had Cameron Mabin in one of those years. Mike Ford. Yeah. And then, um, I
1: mean, yeah. Somebody somebody made Mike me mad Talkman. the other day. Talkman, Tyro Estrada. Somebody made me mad the other day and tweeted like, this is the same bullshit. This is just like the 2018 to 2021 Yankees. No, it's not. 2018 no. 2018, you don't remember fondly because the Red Sox won 108 games. We won 100. 2019, they lost. Everybody got hurt, and they won 103 games. They yeah. just got run out. That you know they had awful luck at the buzzer there, and the Astros got them with the Altuve home run. Emphasis on buzzer. But 2020, 2021 was a completely different breed. The, the 2019 team was nothing like. 2019 regular season, I remember saying I never want this to end because I don't want to have a sour postseason memory attached to this great team that I really loved watching. And, of course, that's what ultimately happened. 2020 and 2021 could not have ended fast enough.
3: Yeah. And like we said, the problems never fully went away. The roster is largely the same from last year. Largely, you know, most of the same characters have returned. You got rid of Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, and swapped in Donaldson and Isaiah Connor Falefa, which really hasn't worked out. Um, I do like the better stability at the shortstop position because IKF does make better plays, but it's it's just not enough, and it's not his fault. It's not IKF's fault, as much as fans want to get on his case. Is Brian Cashman's fault? He got a non shortstop to play shortstop after we already had a non shortstop playing shortstop. Josh Donaldson has been miserable. Um, I know his defense has been great and I do value that. Um, but a bat as powerful and influential as his should be stepping up when other Yankees are out and he's actually becoming worse and worse, um, as time goes on, um, made good contact in that Cardinal series, but then did some unthinkable things over the last few days, just looking at so many pitches and it's like, what's going on? Um, (laughs) and the, the you know the the offense going into this going into we we had the lull in the beginning of the season the team started seven and six and it was very it was it almost mirrored how twenty twenty one was then they ripped off that huge streak and now they've hit some adversity they had a bad bad scheduling break against the Astros those few times they didn't capitalize on anything they lost all three of those games. Um, they go into city field and have a high profile matchup against the Mets. They get pasted in the, in those two games. Um, Aaron judge was by far and away the worst performer in that second game. And one swing of the bat from him, whether it was a single or, you know, whether it was a swinging bunt or whether it was a double completely changes that game. And he goes over four with three strikeouts, um, whiffing over sliders, which is everybody's worst nightmare for the postseason Cause we've seen that all too many times. Um, and then more injuries start to pile up. They mismanaged Stanton's injury right before that Met series, and now we don't know how much longer he's going to be out. Anthony Rizzo gets a back injury right during the car, uh, right at the Cardinal series. Misses four yeah. straight games. That affects the team. Um, and then you have kind of a, a wonky pitching staff at the moment. I don't really know, like, why is Albert Abreu here? Um, I I know there's plenty of other injuries in that unit, you know, Severino goes down. So it's a little bit difficult. Um, Miguel Castro, even though he wasn't exactly overly valuable, it was a guy to eat innings. Michael King is gone. There's no replacing that person. Um, and like we talked about last episode, the trade deadline, they got players. It was nice and it was comforting up until the buzzer when they traded Jordan Montgomery, but nobody they acquired really addressed much of anything montas did address the starting rotation depth and issue but then you trade away jordan montgomery and you create more of a strain on a guy who is largely bad away from the uh the oakland coliseum so now you're running into an entirely different problem um so the problems remain in my opinion the offense peaks and valleys it's kind of the way it's been the last two plus years um outside of aaron judge playing out of his mind for the rest of for this entire season look at every other player on this roster Hot and cold. DJ LeMay, who has rebounded to be, uh, what, probably a top 12 bat in the league, I'd say, um, based on average OPS and, and all that stuff. Um, but everybody else, Anthony Rizzo, he is either scorching hot or he's like, okay, what's going on? Josh Donaldson, bad, like like we said. Um, Jose Trevino has cooled off immeasurably. Gleyber Torres, same deal. He's either a key key cog in this offense. And you can't imagine the Yankees offense without him, or he's you're, you're, you're questioning why he's even
1: on this team. The Mariners Uh, announcers were laughing at him in the one nothing game. Like, Oh, what a a silly strikeout by a silly Silly man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that was good.
3: Um, Aaron Hicks, first 45 games, awful next 35 games. Great ensuing 20 plus games, just as bad as the first 40, um, so, at, and as you can see, even Giancarlo Carlos Stanton is not, when he was healthy, was good, but was not Giancarlo Carlos Stanton-esque, um, batting like 30 points below his usual average, not walking a whole lot. That's obviously part of his profile, but it's all a little bit, it's, it's, it's not as consistent and it's not as, um, it's not as helpful as you want it to be from, from a production standpoint. So the problems were already there. And then you have the roster moves, which we talked about Marinaccio going down last episode, which was a big issue in this game against the Mariners. This last game against the Mariners, Yankees down one nothing. You think that's literally it because the offense can't do anything. Higashioka and Judge Homer the the uh, the top half of the next inning, they go up three one. Bottom half of the next inning, Um squeezes Nestor Cortez. Cool. You, we all saw it happen. Mitch Haniger cool. got two extra strikes in that uh, at bat for absolutely no reason. Actually, ran up Nestor's uh, pitch count an extra seven, I believe. It was like a, it was like a twelve. It was like a ten or twelve pitch at bat or something crazy. A bunch, of, a
1: bunch of two strike fouls. I mean sliders, yeah. etc. Full. Count. He should have been out on the fifth pitch. Is all yeah. I'm saying. He was I mean, it was, on it was right on the corner. It was right on the corner. You look at the ump scorecard. It was the number one missed call in the game. Uh, and and that umps. The reason we're complaining here, I mean, we're obviously complaining because the Yankees lost the game. But it it always there is nothing sounds whinier than complaining about one call in a game. Well, one call. But this ump strike zone was fucking two people wide all game. That's part (laughs) of the reason Nestor was throwing a a no hitter for as long as he was, and Robbie Ray. Both of them were dotting the outside corner but going at least four or five inches off the plate. And it was very consistent. And then, of course, the Yankees rally back, take the lead, and then on the 2-2 pitch that does clip the corner, not just the expanded corner, but the real corner, that's the one where the ump wants to go, no, got to get it closer, sorry. Like, that's when everything changes. That's what the Yankees have been experiencing lately. Just shit like that. Like when, in 2021, they were one strike away from finishing off a game in Detroit, And Justin Wilson, who was on the Yankees, we did have him within the last year or so dotted the outside corner high with a pitch that should have been called strike three to Robbie Grossman. Umpire said, no, no, find the middle of the plate. And Justin Wilson said, are you sure you want me to do that? If I do that, he'll Homer. And the umpire said, got to be down the middle. Otherwise I ain't calling it. And he went, okay, let's do it. And Robbie Grossman Homer to walk the Yankees off. Same shit, different year. And the, the 2021 team is back. Yeah, I mean. Big kick in the pants to everybody who was like, the coaching changes are going to change everything about this team from 2021 to 2022. I like Dylan Lawson. I obviously love Matt Blake, who was here last year. Both appear to be very good at their jobs, but the DNA is still there. The stink is still there. They swapped Kyner Fleffa and Josh Donaldson in for Urshela and Gary Sanchez. I don't want Gary Sanchez on my roster. He's been awful this season. Everybody pointed that out last night, too. Gio Rochelle, I miss, but I'll take Donaldson's defense as long as Donaldson's hitting like Donaldson. He's not hitting like Donaldson. He's hitting half like two, Donaldson. They made these two very subtle changes. And uh guess what? Like suddenly the lineup doesn't look so good. Like Thanos snapped. Like I, I was looking at the lineup yesterday. And, and what's what's the issue with this team? Why did they uh put up nine runs in the opener against the Mariners, then get shut out for 13 innings and make a ton of base running errors, and then uh, go down one nothing in the third game, then fight back on a a Kyle Higashioka home run, which will never happen again, and then ultimately lose that game. Like, why did the offense look so stale those two games? I don't know. It's because the lineup's full of dudes who suck. Like, you look up and down the lineup, and, and, you know, it's Yankee fan supremacy to say, like, why aren't they hitting? Why aren't they hitting? And then you actually look at the lineup, and you're like, they're not hitting because... There are no hitters here. There's there's nothing to work with, especially in the finale where it's DJ LeMahieu, who's been excellent. Like you said, a top 10 player in, in the game right now in terms of, you know, execution, getting all those numbers up. Aaron Judge, who's the MVP of the league. Anthony Rizzo coming off a bulky back and facing Robbie Ray, a lefty who buzzsaws people. Dumb. Dumb, feels bad, and I don't have a lot of faith in him there. And then, of course, he struck out in a big spot with two on and two out. Josh Donaldson, by and large, stinks. Gleyber Torres looks awful right now. Aaron Hicks is Aaron Hicks. Miguel Andujar, singles or strikeouts. Isaiah Connor falefa is Isaiah Connor falefa Kyle Higashioka the worst backup catcher in baseball. So seven of those nine players are not going to get on base or get hits for you. So it's, it's like it's Yankee exceptionalism to say, why can't the Yankees hit? The realistic viewpoint is none of these guys are good at hitting. These aren't good hitters. These aren't good offensive players. That's why they're losing. That's why they're not scoring.
3: Yeah, and it's crazy to me because this is where the 2020 and 2021 feelings come in because, and it's like at the trade deadline too, this team has an injury history, whether it's bad luck, whether it's recurring stuff, whatever it is, someone's always injured. Aaron Judge was injured 2018 and 2019. Giancarlo Stanton has been injured now for a very good portion of his Yankees tenure. Um, Luis Severino has been injured for four years. Um, We've seen various bullpen arms come in and out with elbow issues. Um, We've seen, you know, various starters just hobble to the finish line. The Yankees seemingly built this roster as if just depth wasn't a concern of theirs. It's, oh, we got a lot of good players, so that should be fine. Uh, Yeah, you got a lot of good players, but there's no guarantee anybody's going to stay healthy. So that's why when Jordan Montgomery gets traded, it's like, so you're just relying on these five guys to just do the rest of the work for the remainder of the season. And they're going to stay healthy. What happens if one of them gets injured? What happens if two of them get injured? Very, very realistic scenario that we've seen unfold many a time. And now you look at the lineup and the depth here just once again, is not good enough. Um, Miguel Andujar who shouldn't be here because he's now requested a trade two times is not really a suitable major leaguer, at least on this team. And that's what he's proven, whether it's his fault or not. I think it's mostly the Yankees' fault for failing to give him consistent playing time and a role on the bench. But he also doesn't fit into their defensive plan. So he's just not a player that should be here. Aaron Hicks, injury troubles, also not very good, had one very good year, got his money, and now they're sticking with him as if he's an integral player. Just not the case. Isaiah Connor Falefa, you got him to fill in that shortstop. You knew what you were getting when you got him. So fans being mad about him, you're you you are directing your anger in the wrong spot. The front office's spot. Look at Isaiah Connor Falefa's profile. It's the same thing it's been since today he started playing baseball at the major league level. You have Glaber Torres, who's been bad for over two years now. So largely bad. I know he had a good start to this season, but the numbers are still fairly pedestrian. You know, he's He's very good when this lineup he, – he's he's above average when this lineup is fully healthy, and he's unplayable when a piece of the puzzle gets taken out because then he starts to see pitches and he can't handle it. Um, and then you have you know Trevino and Higashioka. That was a play to improve the pitching staff, which it has, and improve the behind-the-plate um, defense, which it has. Um and you know we could talk about the trade deadline acquisitions all we want. I don't know if Andrew Benintendi was the right one. Um, has been playing low leverage baseball, like I said, for a very long time. Been f- f- this is the, going on the fourth season now because the Red Sox were relevant in 2019 and 2020, and the Royals have sucked the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Anthony Rizzo's one of the only constants, and now he finally has a back issue, and then that forces the Yankees to mix and match pieces, and then that's where you get that's where you get Miguel Andujar playing and that's not going to move the needle for you. That's, and there, and there is just there, to me, there is, there was no emphasis on depth here. Um, There was no, and there was no emphasis on getting exponentially better on positions where you had openings Um, shortstop, for example, if you were going to part with Gio Rochella or someone behind the plate, I know Jose Trevino has been good, but maybe you upgrade in a different manner in in regards to that, Forget about that, though. Maybe you get better in the outfield because you know Joey Gallo's bad and he's not rebounding, and he didn't, and you ended up trading him. And you know Aaron Hicks is just not going to return to form because of the troubling injury issues that he's had. Tommy John, hard to come back from. Wrist sheath surgery, equally as difficult to come back from. He's had those in back-to-back years. So the Yankees are just throwing shit at the wall and hoping that things return. Like last year, Hal Steinbrenner has the giant press conference. This is the players' fault. Like They have to play better. You're just going to rely on people playing better because you think that they should be better than they are. Some of them, yes. Some of the performances were unacceptable. You had DJ LeMay, who was injured, who was underperforming. You had Giancarlo Stanton, who was really not good outside of three weeks in the first half, which really propped up all of his numbers. You had Aaron Judge, who was consistent but like wasn't exactly moving the needle last year because of all the struggles they had on offense as a whole. You had Gleyber Torres, who was downright terrible. Um so, you know, you saw this unfold in 2020. And then you're coming into 2021 and you're just acting as if something's going to change. And then you come into 2022 with a decent amount of roster overhaul, but is it enough? Is it enough to absorb one, two injuries? Clearly not. It's definitely not enough to absorb four injuries. And now this is where the discussion comes in, which is where I'm most concerned facing the Red Sox this week. Yankees have a stretch of 12 games over the next two weeks. Sox, Blue Jays, Raise Mets. This could very well define your season. Um, and the Yankees fail with these narratives all the time. Not every time, but most of the time. Most of the time when it matters. The Yankees are 6-4 and four against the Sox this year, but ask any fucking Yankees fan, those four losses hurt a lot more than those wins feel good. Those six wins against the Red Sox, the one beatdown was hilarious. We had a great time with that. Um, but then... You know they 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 lose that that one walk off in Fenway that kind of turned everything around and the embarrassment on Sunday night baseball and then the extra innings loss at Yankee Stadium to start off that next series just a few days later, um, so this is where they have to turn things around. They're facing enough adversary, ad, adversity adversity in house with injuries with lackluster play with this awful stretch since the all-star break. And even before then we were talking about how this team needed the all-star break to rest and to just get back on track. And players were something judge was something at the time. Stan was something at the time. Rizzo was something at the time. We're like, man, these guys need the break. They got the break. Stan gets injured. Judge catches fire. Rizzo was hot and cold and then got injured. And the rest of the roster didn't really respond and hasn't really responded since it's been 20 plus games. Um, so this is where I worry. And I think it's a prime opportunity for the Yankees to punch back and prove their, the, prove to the people that they aren't who everybody thinks they are. But I
1: don't know if I have confidence in it, man. I really don't. I mean, I remember right before the break. It, they were playing boring, frustrating, 500-ish baseball. Yeah. The bullpen was gagging leads it shouldn't have. They just lost two out of three to the Reds. They lost that incredibly frustrating game at home against the Red Sox. And then they reel off two blowout wins. And the first half, and you're like, all right, Bad July, bad start to July, but they've basically drawn even now. They're 64 and 28 at the break. And you go, I think, you know, they, they were 61 and 23 to uh, 64 and 28. So they they go three and five, but you're like, all right. I mean, is the, the two wins at the end were huge blowouts. You, you feel like you convince yourself this is the end of it. They're going to come out of the break stronger. No, it's been worse than ever since the break uh you know it, it's starting to feel like 2021 because the exciting moments are now going for naught right I, I did yeah. some calculating yesterday and I hate doing this but I have to do this to everybody i I, I thought about I mean first of all it, it, they take the lead in the seventh and you go I have no idea who's coming in for the bullpen like I hope there are people out here without Holmes and Chapman who would both pitch two straight days I don't know if I trust either of those people anyway but I'm already going. All right, it's three one. You know, Judge hits the home run. When it's two one, you're like, this is nothing. When it's three one, you're like, all right, three one, two run lead for Nestor. Hopefully for an inning, and then two innings of bullpen. Who's it going to be? Not Holmes. Not Chapman. Not Wandy. Probably who thrown like an inning plus the night prior. So you're thinking it's going to be like Efros and Trevino. Can those guys hold a two run lead? I think Efros probably can get through his inning unscathed. And I think Trevino, it's probably going to be two on, two out. Is he going to get a huge strikeout, or is he going to give up a huge homer? Uh, so that's what I'm thinking. Of course, it never gets that far. Nestor, single, hickey pass balls, squeeze, single. They bring in Albert DeBray, who's, who's next to useless, uh, and immediately strikeout, two-run homer. And they have two innings to come back, and they don't do anything. The game is already over.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.
1: I'm already entering the Abreu appearance. I'm already like, I have no idea who's coming for the bullpen. This is going to be a tough one to hold. They didn't hold it. But I hate blown saves more than I hate anything. And, uh, you know, I, I think that probably goes for most people. Blown leads, blown saves, most frustrating kind of loss. You want to minimize that where you can. Starting on July 9th, when the Yankees did blow that game at Fenway in extra innings, Donaldson bobbles the double play ball. They could have ended it. Bogart's at the plate. Verdugo hits Wandy's ball in a right field. They lose 6-5 awful loss but just one right since then let's count that game so like including that starting with that game to now the Yankees have taken a uh a lead of three runs or fewer into the seventh inning seven times they have blown six of those They're 86% likely to lose a game that they lead by a slim margin in the late innings. I've never seen anything like this. The 2021 Yankees obviously lost so many close games, blew so many saves. Tonight is a Field of Dreams game. That was a very memorable blown save for the Yankees last year. On the biggest stage, they blew that 7-2 lead in Houston. They blew that no-hitter game at Fenway. We don't need to tell you how many leads the Yankees blew in the late innings last year, but – From the Fenway game to now, which is over a month of baseball, the All-Star break is in there. But seven lead inning, and this isn't save opportunities in the way, like a three-run lead in the sixth. People score save opportunities weirdly. This is slim leads, and the only reason I'm bumping the threshold up to three runs is because they blew a three-nothing lead to the Reds in the ninth inning as part of this. And... The seventh inning gets included because of yesterday and because of Garrett Cole taking them out with a 3-2 lead in Baltimore. The only save opportunity the Yankees ended up winning was the game where Michael King got hurt and Clay Holmes came in and saved the day. And that was a 7-6 win in Baltimore. That is it in a month. And so to make it worse, how does he make it worse? It's not possible to make it worse. I'll make it worse. What did we say in the first half? In in end of April, May, June, July. What do we say? All the Yankees do is come back. That's why this team is different than last year's team. Last year's team rolled over dead. Last year's team took big leads and blew them and lost. All this Yankee team does is come back. They were in every game. They had only uh, wins or close losses. They fought their way back into everything. That hasn't changed. The Yankees are still coming back and rallying late in games often they're tying those games or taking the lead since that july 9th game recent losses featuring inspirational late rallies july 9th 14th 15th 21st 27th 31st august 2nd august 10th recent wins featuring inspiring late rallies the middle game against the reds And July 29th against the Royals when they came back from 5-3 down in the 8th inning. Those are the only games they've rallied and won since that Fenway game. You want me to take it down and and go granular so that you know I'm not making this up or or trying to figure out what I classify as an inspiring late rally? July 9th. The Boston game. 5-3 lead and extra innings. July 12th. It's not, even, it's not even in this. July 14th, Yankees against Reds. Glaber ties it with a three-run home run in the eighth. 4-1 to 4-4. They lose 6-7 in extras. July 15th, the very next day, Yankees dormant against the Red Sox. Tie the game in the ninth. Winning run on third. They don't score. Winning run on third. Again in the tenth. They don't score. Lose on a wild pitch by Michael King. Come on. seven twenty-one. Uh the first game against Houston. Kinder Falev ties the game in the ninth with two outs. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, He got walked off by J.J. Medievic the very next half Uh, So that was cool. Love that, too. Uh, July 27th, that's Yankees at Mets. Gleyber Torres, again, game-tying, two-run home run. Well, nope, Wandi Peralta gets walked off. So I guess who gives a fuck, right? July 31st, Anthony Rizzo, three-run shot, 6-4 lead against KC. Ron Maranacci gives up his first run in forever. Clay Holmes blows the game uh, regardless. 8-2, that is... I classify this as a rally. I know the Eagles were way down in this one. 4-0 to 4-3 to 6-3 to 6-6. The bullpen leaks and they lose at 8-6 to Seattle. That's Tyone's bad start right after the Jordan Montgomery trade. And then, of course, yesterday, 1-0 to 3-1. Higashioka hits the home run. People are tweeting. It reminds them of Francisco Stravelli home run that woke up the 0-9 Yankees. I don't remember that game so well. Did that game end with the uh, Albert Abreu immediately blowing the lead and and the Yankees recording one fucking out before losing i I don't actually remember so correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think the 2009 season got back on track with an inspirational homer by a backup catcher only for the bullpen to leak trash all over the field now the mariners are the mariners i don't mind losing to the mariners i want to see the mariners in the playoffs that's the only thing that made this right and better like you said here comes fenway here come the rays here come the jays here come the mets if they're doing this Against their chief rivals in the same way where they did it against the Cardinals and Mariners and Mariners in three straight series, then we're really going to have a problem. And like I said earlier, the lineup just not that good. The pitching just not that good. Matt Carpenter's out. Anthony Rizzo's bulky. Ben Intendi didn't play yesterday. Stanton's out. So that's not the lineup you want to run out in October, but it's the lineup you got now. The Yankees are going to lose some games. There's still 10 games up in the AL East. I'm well aware of that. I know that. That's You're not surprising me with that information. It maxed out at 15. Now it's 10. I know. Well aware. But they have lost so many winnable games. Six of the seven blown saves. All of those rallies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight rallies that they lost. And two rallies where they came out on top. You can't be going two and eight in those games. You have to be going something like five and five or 6-4 and in those games that you're trying to steal. Because guess what? You're going to get blown out a couple times. You're going to get bludgeoned. You're going to lose 10-4, or you're going to lose 5 nothing. These losses will happen. They'll frustrate you. You cannot be dropping all of these winnable games at almost 100% rate. Because the losable games are going to compound that, and then, oh, suddenly the lead isn't so big anymore. Yeah. Well, the problem is they don't get blown out.
3: If they got blown out... I wouldn't even complain. I'd say great. You know, some games you lose nine to two, but they got to make it, they got to make them all painful. And that's, that's part of the. That's a lot of the source of the frustration. If they lost easier, we'd have much less angry pods. Um, But they're in every, they're in most games and they lose in agonizing fashion and you can only take so many agonizing losses in 162 game season. Think about an NFL season, it's 16 games. Your team loses your your team has four agonizing losses, that's 25% of the season. You want to jump off your roof. It's just if you've watched football enough like it's it's hard to deal with. You live with that pain for a fucking week. Um if you're a sports fan, not if you're a normal person who would just find productive shit to do mm-hmm. instead of living your life through a fucking sports team. Yeah. Um but anyway, uh my biggest thing with the Yankees as I'd mentioned before, is the narrative around this team. The um, the wins against opponents who punk them year after year, um, the digging yourself out of a hole and sticking it to the opposition type win against, again, against these teams that have given you problems for so long. So the Yankees were on a nice path to doing that. They opened the season, they beat the Red Sox, In that opening series, though the Sunday night baseball loss was pretty deflating because Bobby Dalbeck of all people hits a go-ahead homer. But okay, what are you going to do? You win the series. How much can you complain? You go down the docket here. They split with the Blue Jays, whatever. They lose the series to the O's. That sucks. Let's all get pissed. Then you win a series against Detroit. You sweep the O's. You sweep the Guardians. You sweep the Royals. You win a series against the Jays. All things you're probably supposed to do. You win a series against the Rangers. Pretty cool. Then you sweep the Jays. You win a series against the White Sox. You win a series against um, uh, the Orioles. So that's a good stretch there. You're at the end of May now. Lose a series against the White Sox after Josh Donaldson says this shit to Tim Anderson that he should have never said. You win a series against the Orioles. Pretty cool. You split with the Rays, which is pretty much in Yankee land over the last few years, a fucking win. Mm-hmm. Anytime you could split with the Rays feels damn good. Wipe the floor with the Angels. Wipe the floor with the Tigers. Beat the Twins in a series. Kick the Cubs' ass. Sweep the Rays. Awesome. Love that. Beat the Jays in another series. Beat the Rays in another series. Pretty cool. Now you're at the end of June. You get the Astros. First game of that series, you're getting your ass kicked. You come back. Aaron Hicks is three. three Three-run homer. Amazing. Yankees come back, win that game seven to six after trailing three in the ninth. Judge with the walk-off double. One run over the next two games against the Astros. Uh, you lose a Garrett Cole start in there. Um, and you're outscored 6-1. to one. Um, You get your ass kicked by Justin Verlander, which to be expected at this point, Christian Javier somehow does the same. Um, and then you get the win in extras on the final day um, of that series, of that four-game set. You split that series, but, but you do not lead for a single moment outside of you winning those games. And now it's funny how it works, right? Because if the Yankees, if the role reversal was here, right? And the Yankees had blown that game one and then blown that final game. We would be frustrated by saying, why the fuck did you blow those games? And opposing fans would be like, oh, you fucking suck, dude. You can't hold on to these leads against the Astros. Yep. And then we look at it and opposing fans look at it and analysts look at it and they say, oh, well, you know, a split series is good, but like you look at it in the greater picture of the narrative and the Yankees didn't lead for a moment of that series. So where are they snapping this streak of getting over the postseason hump against the competition that squarely kicks their ass? Because in my mind, I'm viewing that as an Astros series win. Yankees had no business winning that series. Yes, you also have a point there, but also they fucking split, so whatever. Anyway, yeah. that's the first of it. You split with the Astros, but guess what? That's kind of a win for the Yankees because the Astros have their number. Sweep the A's. You have that random one-game series against the Astros because of a, the the beginning of the year schedule change. You lose two to one. JJ, M- <laughs> fucking God. JJ M- Matt y- Mata- Why? Mata- How? The guy bats one fifty. He's beaten the Yankees twice this year. He hit the home run off Garrett Cole in that in that previous series. Um, which gave the Astros the lead in the seventh inning, which yeah. ended up being it, the difference. It was the game.
1: In the, the no night. hit. We got no hit. So yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and then you have that walk off. Okay, whatever. You win a series against the Guardians, you split with the Pirates, who gives a shit? Then you have Boston. Okay, let's turn it around, folks. Let's turn this ship around. First two games, six five. You have a good you have a you have an oak you kick um Winkowski's ass Garrett Cole cruising and then unravels in what the fifth or whatever yeah it ends up being closer than it
1: needed to be but a 6-5 win master class though Clay Holmes was awesome in that game I I will never stop thinking about this weekend until the Yankees turn things around because this was a weekend that of course the last two games of the series go a certain way but in that first game, Holmes is unreal, and John Sterling says, "I'd rather have this guy than any reliever in baseball." And then the literal very next time he appears in a game, he struggles, and he's basically been off seventy-five to eighty percent of the time since yeah. then. It.
3: Yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> but after that win, which was great six-five, the Yankees kicked their Boston's SNX night twelve to five. That was one of the that was one of the most enjoyable games I had this, even though it wasn't as it wasn't as uh it wasn't as an ass-kicking victory as you would like it to be because the Red Sox loaded the bases they were one swing away from making it a very close game Several times it was still games. a nice win Miguel Castro got the win there you're feeling good Lucas Licky gets to save okay cool that's good you know we'll take we're two games up then you have the extra innings loss on Saturday then you're like fuck this and fuck you and this sucks getting greedy to capture look if you're going into the game greedy and being like I need this win, like I want this win to go up 3 nothing, like you're an asshole. But if you're complaining that you blow this late lead that, you know, arguably should you have blown, you give up that one run in the bottom of the 8th, which frustrating as hell as hell as it is, mm-hmm. and then you go up two and then you give up three in the 10th, like that's frustrating. That should be a win based on how the Yankees were playing at this time. And, and then you have some bobble, this- bobble,
1: bobble, yeah, so like, bobble double play. Bobble double play ball. Yeah. So, like, not only, like, it's, it's a lead you shouldn't blow several times. But like, hey, weird stuff happens at Fenway. It is what it is. You'll still, you'll take the Yankees all day. First and second one out. Bogart's at the plate up 5-4 in extras with a reliever you trust on the mound. I'm still going. I mean, the 2022 Yankees, all the breaks are falling their way. They can still get out of this. Yeah. Bogarts has come up small against us a number of times all we need is a double play ball we fucking get it and Donaldson can't cuff it and from that point on the game's obviously over and from that point on everything's over pretty much <laughs> <laughs> next night Sunday night baseball Yankees go up four
3: nothing six two lose 11 six after Barack Christian Vasquez kicks our ass again JD Martinez Christian Vasquez, thankfully, no longer on this team after the trade deadline. But yeah, but where'd he go? Astros, yeah, I know. But for <laughs> now, we don't have to face the Astros for the rest of the year. I'll worry about that later. We, have to face, we, we, we don't have to worry about Christian Vasquez this weekend, which is really, we need every break this weekend we can get. These two losses essentially spiral the rest of the season. Yes, the Yankees beat the living piss out of Boston right before the All-Star break. But again, the Yankees needed this All-Star break. And Boston is not good. Don't forget about Boston is a bad team. They have horrible pitching. They have the worst pitching in the league since the All Star break. They're like 25th in most metrics at this point. Yankees on, come out and
1: Let me get the Red Sox pitching stats oh. while you go. And then, because yes. uh, I know Red Sox stats, an account that blocked me at some point and then unblocked me. And I thank you for your service. Uh, the Red Sox pitching in July and August. This doesn't count last night when they also got boinked around the field and the uh, Ryan Brazier got his ass kicked and the Braves won. Uh, Red Sox pitching in July and August, 30th in ERA, 30th in batting average, 30th in OBP, 30th in WHIP, 30th in BABIP, 30th in left-on-base percentage, 29th in slugging against 29th in WOBA, 28th in FIP, 28th in XFIP, 28th in walk percentage, 26th in strikeout percentage, 26th in put-away percentage with two strikes. So they can't strike anybody out, can't put anybody away when they get ahead in the count. Uh, don't limit theoretical contact, don't limit real contact and have basically the highest ERA in baseball, Darwins and Hernandez, who keeps coming in to relieve in these games for some reason. Every time I turn the Red Sox on, it's like a 3-2 game in the seventh, and then it's 12-2, their opponent, because Darwins and Hernandez came in, has a 3.30 whip. The Red Sox are pitching so, 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 so poorly in July and August. So Bloom did fix that at the trade deadline by acquiring, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being told he acquired a veteran outfielder in Tommy Pham, and Eric Hosmer, to play first base instead of pitching sorry that's my bad I read that wrong I guess I thought Eric Hosmer converted to pitcher uh, in recent years so the Red Sox are terrible in a spiral they started playing the varsity after June ended and it did not go as well as playing the JV that said what Yankee fan in their right mind thinks the Yankees are going in Fenway this weekend and having any success almost nobody look yourself in the mirror the Red Sox are not playing well the Yankees are not playing well. Who who thinks who thinks the Yankees come out on top in this matchup? Not me.
3: Not me. Um, and that's Domingo the thing. Herman,
1: just... Domingo Herman, Domingo on Friday. Yeah. Who thinks the Yankees come out on top?
3: Domingo Herman, Ivaldi Friday. That's a loss. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So then you get the break. You get the fucking All Star break, which you all been begging for. Everyone's begging for the All Star break. This team needs day off, days off. But guess what? The team's best players didn't get any fucking days off. So. The only people who mattered got no time off. You come right out of the break doubleheader in Houston again to make up for the scheduling snafu because Rob Manfred's an asshole. You lose both those games in Houston. Um, JJ Matt JJ again. That,
1: that was JJ. him, right? Yeah, JJ yeah. Matavic. Mat- 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 Mat-
3: yeah, no, that was him. I'm sorry. The other loss was just we sucked that two one loss. It was oh, it, Domingo it, Herman the, got his
2: ass kicked. Yeah, in the the
3: second game. yeah. yeah. And then second game, we pitch Domingo Herman, and this is where the narrative starts to turn again. You think he gained the narrative back by outscoring the Red Sox 27-3 to in the final two games, but here comes the narrative again. You're rostering Domingo Herman. You're pitching him in the second game of a doubleheader against the Astros when he, one, shouldn't be pitching at all against the Astros. Two, you're essentially saying, well, if we lose the first one, we'll definitely lose the second one. Yeah. And that's what happened. You lost the first one 3-2 to on that bullshit walk-off. And then you watch Domingo Herman get pasted and you try to come back a little bit, you lose seven to five. So you're 0-2 out of the break already, again, against a team who's perennially kicked your ass, with the exception of 2021, which I don't even know how that was the case. But anyway, you win the series against Baltimore. That's fucking awesome. Baltimore Pretty is good. good this year. They are yeah. a playoff team. But you mishandled Carlos Stanton's injury, whatever it is. He comes in to pinch it on Saturday. He he's bench Friday, comes in to pitch it on Saturday. And you also play him weirdly in that Astros doubleheader. Don't know what's going on. They knew something was going on. They clearly pushed the envelope as far as they could. And now Giancarlo Stanton remains out since that pinch hitting performance on Saturday, July 23rd, with an Achilles issue. Okay, but you win the series against Baltimore. That 6 0 win on Sunday, liberating. Haven't had a victory like that in quite a while based Woo! on how the
0: team playing.
3: You go to City Field. Now you got to deal with Mets fans who are going to talk shit endlessly. Just win one of the games. Nope, can't. Lose 6-3, 3-2. Aaron Judge, as I talked about. National TV chokes. Max Scherzer kicks, kicks his ass. Golibert Torres clutch home run. Juani e. Pralta immediately gives up the lead. What is that? His third walk-off loss of the season. I don't even know what it is at this point. You got the Royals next. Okay, time to get right. Get Capture the first three. Leading in that last one. Clay Holmes blows it. What are you going to do? Clay Holmes can't be invincible forever.
1: Capture the first three though. One of them's yeah. a nothing nothing game that Aaron Judge yeah. walks off with the Yankees second hit of the game. One of them they're leading three nothing and Garrett Cole gives up five two out runs in the fifth inning of the Royals, and they come back against the bad Casey Bullpen and end up running away with that game, make it look less close than it was. The third one, they blow the doors off, and Nestor, who's been the catalyst really for the last couple of weeks on the pitching staff, was great and they win that game going away, and then, of course, Holmes blows it. But you can argue that they should have lost three out of four to the Royals, who did take three out of four from the Red Sox. Again, the Yankees and Red Sox, very similar, and the Red Sox with the home field advantage this weekend. So I'm not sure, uh, you know, who among us thinks this is a blowout. Eh, Certainly not me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So losing, losing against the Mets was the worst because you have Mets fans now just talking shit, enjoying themselves as they should, but now the entire Twitter discourse is oh man Edwin Diaz is better than Clay Holmes. Oh man, Aaron Judge sucks. Oh man, we have two aces.
1: Garrett Cole sucks. And two two weeks ago, I said there was no argument that the Mets run New York. I still don't care who runs New York, but now they do. They have a better record than the Yankees. So that's it. I mean, that's 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 why you don't have to happen. By two games. By those two games.
2: Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D dot com.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify!
1: You, you don't have to have a nuanced discussion about it. Last week, the Yankees were like five games up on the Mets when we were talking about this. And so it was like, I don't care who won the two games at City Field. I care who was the best record. And now it's the Mets because they don't lose anymore. And the Yankees lose every day. So yeah. yeah, the Mets run New York now if you want to hear that. Yeah. Okay.
3: So then what happens after the Royal Series? Seattle comes to town. What did yeah. Seattle just do that the Yankees should have done a week prior? They Hmm. traded for Luis Castillo. Yankees could have traded for Luis Castillo if they wanted to pay the escalated price argument, you know, that we'll have eternally. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it was right or wrong, we won't get into that, but they could have acquired Luis Castillo instead of pitching Domingo Herman against Max Scherzer. Just saying Domingo Herman didn't have a bad start that night, but that would have been pretty electrifying. Nonetheless, Garrett Cole gets destroyed. They, they, They win the first game. They lose the second. It comes down to Garrett Cole Castillo. The second time they're facing Castillo in the last few weeks. Castillo, brilliant. Garrett Cole shelled for six runs in the first inning. They lose the series. You go to St. Louis. Okay, weird series, NL team. What's going on here? Yankees get swept by an NL team for the first time since 95 or some shit. Um, 1-0 game. Uh, you lose a game one nothing. Clay Holmes blows another one. Paul DeYoung kicked our ass in this series. Um all those games are winnable. They lose all of them against mm-hmm. a playoff contender. Then they go back to Seattle. Who's pitching in who's pitching on the first night of this se- or this the second night of this series for the Yankees to maybe take it? It's Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo again. Yankees capture the first game of the series. Very impressive performance. Offense scores uh, nine runs. Jamison Tyome was rock solid. Um and then you have Castillo Cole again. They both go or uh they did Castillo go eight scoreless, I think.
1: Yeah, and Cole yeah. went
3: eight scoreless. Cole went seven scoreless. This game goes to thirteen innings with no run scored. Yankees offense can't get it done. They end up losing one nothing in in the thirteenth because of idiotic base running. So now they've lost to Luis Castillo three times mm-hmm. in the span of three weeks. Not even, not even three weeks. Um, you lose a nas- a highly nationally televised game against the Mets in fairly embarrassing fashion because your best player can't get it done. You get smacked right out of the break against the Astros, who are, you know, are your daddies until further notice. Mm -hmm. Um, And all these winnable games that you have that are decided, you know, you have the Seattle game decided by two runs. You have that um, Royals game, which ended up, you know, uh, uh, Clay Holmes gave up that home run. Um, You have all those St. Louis games, just win one of those. And then you have yesterday and Tuesday, where there was a combined, a combined in all these games, eight runs scored, and the Yankees lose by a combined two runs. So tell me where the narrative is being flipped because they're losing to teams in agonizing fashion that have kicked their ass for years now. And then they're losing games against lesser competition and not being able to overcome the roster adversity when the games are within reach. So you tell me why this Fenway series is going to be any different than any of, than any of, the others in recent past
1: yeah i'm already begging to leave fenway and come home and play the rays and jays at home and then by the middle of the Rays series i'll be begging for these good opponents to get the fuck out of my house because that's how it works <laughs> um, i mean these, these Yankees splits are so painful to read they they're 7 and 13 in the second half but they've outscored their opponents 94 to 89 come on come on They're 30 and and 26 on the road. That's not very good. Like, for a great team, that's not very good. 30 and 26 on the road, they've scored 291 runs and only allowed 210. Have a plus 81 run differential on the road, they're 30 and 26. That means they're losing an inordinate amount of heartbreaking road games and winning all these blowout road games. And and that's turning the record against them. That is so frustrating. And, by the way, the Yankees make roster moves – uh, with the confidence of a team that's 30 games over 500 and 10 games up on the AL East. And you know why they do that? Because Yankees Twitter doesn't run the team and because they are 30 games over 500 and 10 games up over the AL East. Those are facts. And so that's what the Yankees are operating. That you know That's what they're looking at when they're making these decisions. They're calculating a risk. Very frustrating. Because they seem to believe that as long as they get right by the end... you know the, the, What I can't tell is do they think they have to get right by the end of September before the playoffs so that they're rolling going into October? Or do they think it doesn't matter at all? They never have to get right. And they could just flip a magic switch when they reach October. That's what we're going to learn as the playoff race really heats up. Because if all, if they're saying internally, right, all we have to do is get right by early to mid September so that we're in a good rhythm when the playoffs roll around. Yes, I believe that. I I, I think that's probably accurate. Although you don't really want to go one and fucking seven in August. So it's a little bit of a mix of both things. But if they're just saying the rest of the two months don't matter as long as we hang on for dear life, that's what the Yankees did last year. They basically bungled the middle of August to the middle of September, then had a really, really, really important nine-game stretch against the Jays, Red Sox, and Rays, and they went 5-1 and one at Boston, at Toronto. And that solidified their playoff spot. And then they came home and lost the first two to Tampa, and they still had to win a winner-take-all to end the season. And you know what? They did it. So congrats to them. They they were really brutal down the stretch, and they did exactly what they needed to do to clinch a playoff spot once the lights were brightest. Then, of course, they lost the one-game playoff, and the season mercifully ended. But this year, are you planning to get right when everybody gets healthy in early September, or are you just saying, are you resting on your laurels and just saying, we don't need to do anything of note over the final two months of the season as long as we get in October? Because I don't think that's true. And the Yankees are managing as if they super don't care about these August games. Isaiah Conner Falefa is not going anywhere. You can send his parents death threats as much as you want. You can tweet at him and try to unearth old tweets, try to make him hate the Yankees fan base as much as Joey Gallo does. That's a really that's a winning maneuver. That's what nice people do. They just you can write in a column that Isaiah Conner Falefa isn't the right fit for this team. He's. He's a contact bat who doesn't hit as much as you want him to. He's powerless. He's not my favorite player on the roster. He's also not the reason, you know, he's, that the Yankees have been a hive of scum and villainy lately. Maybe don't message his family. That's just, that's a hot tip for all of you people. Uh, but he's sticking around. They're not promoting Oswald Peraza. Not yet. They're They're not making a desperation move. "Quote unquote," what they view as a desperation move, even though the Braves, who are leading a you know by fewer games, called up Vaughn Grissom, their top shortstop prospect, and he debuted yesterday by home ring over the monster at Fenway Park. Wouldn't it be nice for Peraza to do that? Eh, apparently, the Yankees don't agree. But I actually think it's more egregious what they've done with the bullpen. Yesterday, who's coming out of the bullpen? Holmes is unavailable. Chapman's unavailable. That means there's basically nobody reliable other than Efros and potentially Trevino out there. They're just not alive. Jonathan Loaizga, not ready. Wandy Peralta pitched a lot the day before. Not exactly reliable either. Uh, I trust Clark Schmidt more than any of those other people. He's in A, getting stretched out to be a starter. Would love to see it. When is he going to be stretched out enough to take over for Domingo Herman? You tell me. And then more egregiously, Ron Marinaccio's is at A. The Yankees don't have a winning player in the bullpen right now by choice. Last 17 in the third innings, three hits, one run, nine walks, 18 strikeouts. This season – 26 and two-thirds innings, 32 Ks, 0.86 whip, 2.03 ERA, and he was struggling before being demoted in May. He's at like 22 and a third innings since being called back up with the one earned run. You want to win these August games, you want Ron Marinaccio in that bullpen. You know who else had options who could have been sent to A? Jonathan Loizaga, who's been dog shit lately and who lost the 13-inning one nothing game. And I think Loizaga could have a part of the this Yankees future he might have a role moving forward last year we thought he was the closer of the future you know what might help him getting him out of the spotlight stopping him from being the guy they turn to as like the fourth arm in the bullpen it makes sense in both directions you want Marinaccio in the bigs because he's hot and you want to win games you want Lawise to get AAA to get the spotlight off him because he's cold as hell and he has an option you could just put him there and they don't do it this is the most inexplicable non-roster the Yankees have made in years it helps both Parties. There's no benefit to running a struggling Loiza out there when he has a minor league option. You don't even have to DFA lit here or Abreu, even though I would have done either of those things. All you have to do is send Loiza down and bring Marinaccio back up, and you instantly increase in your chances of winning close games. And they just won't do it. It helps both people.
2: Yeah,
3: it's the unwillingness to just plow ahead and keep winning. They want to tread water. They want to let guys get back on track. Um, They want to experiment with other things. There's no need to do any of that. You know, Jonathan Luizaga has largely struggled as a Yankee. I don't know why that that's people are forgetting about that. Conveniently, maybe forgetting about that because last year was so great. Yeah. Last year was his only good year. If you look at Jonathan Luizaga's body of work, that's the outlier. That's the aberration. 2021 is the aberration. So, to think that there is there is a space for him on this roster right now to get right and figure it out absolutely like that that's crazy and the fact that the front office seemingly thinks that that's that that's wild to me because to follow up that last season with what he's doing now is is that's a sign that something you know something needs to be fixed and it can't be fixed at the major league level facing the best possible hitters that you're going to face or being squeezed into clutch you know, high leverage situations when you aren't expecting to be. Um, and that's what ends up happening because you have a bullpen and games unfold the way you don't expect them to. And then there's Jonathan Wise the 13th inning when he shouldn't really be coming in. But, hey, what else do we have to do? We could add Ron Marinaccio. Um, that roster move screams to me like, we'll just wait it out. We'll figure this out. No time to figure it out. There's never really any time to figure it out. You know, maybe you had time to figure it out when you went 40- 49 and 16 or whatever it was, you know, maybe that stretch, you had time to figure things out. But at that point you didn't really need to because you were playing so well and you could just keep, keep firing through. Now they've reached a point where they could maybe experiment, they could experiment with some things, but they're also playing really bad baseball. When you're playing really bad baseball, there's no time to experiment. There's just time to plug guys in the right spots and put guy, ride the hot hands and make sure people are being maximized in their positions. And the Yankees aren't doing that. Um, and that's, that's, that ties into the narrative that I was just talking about not beating the teams that you need to beat, not, uh, overcoming adversity when you need to come overcome adversity, the Yankees being complacent has also been a storyline here for, for years now, complacent, we'll be fine. We'll stand pat at the trade deadline. We have enough, you know, we won't worry about injuries, even though half the roster is decimated, we'll get healthy. Oh, we won't worry about player regressions. That should all regress to the mean. No. No. There's no time. There's no the, to when you have an opportunity to go for it, and when you have an opportunity when things finally have seeming uh, finally have seemingly come around at the beginning of this year because we haven't seen a stretch like this from the Yankees since 2019. You gotta supplement the roster with stronger additions, and you have to make sure that every roster move you're making is for the the immediate success of the team. Because why are you gonna put yourself in peril? in August and September, when you don't need to be there. There's no resting people. There's no insurance. Injuries are arbitrary. Injuries are hardly ever in baseball. How many people play 150, 60 games a year? It's It happens all the time. There's no such thing as being overworked in baseball, in my opinion, unless you're a pitcher and you haven't, you know, unless you're a person who hasn't had the correct exposure due to injuries or, you know, maybe you're a minor leaguer, still working your way up. If you're an established major leaguer, there's no such thing, in my opinion, as being overworked. Injuries can just happen. Giancarlo Stanton's Achilles tendonitis just happened. It didn't happen because he was getting more at-bats. It's just an injury that happens. You can't prevent stuff. The pitchers have, pitchers, you could be throwing 150 amazing innings, and then your elbow snaps off the next outing for for no, no reason. You pull a hamstring running down the first baseline. Orlando Garcia did it against the Red Sox the other night. I was watching that game just rounded first and his hamstring popped had nothing to do with being overworked. So the Yankees are enjoying themselves trying to rest up for October, rest up for down the stretch, um, preserve people that they don't need to preserve the preservations that need to happen are with guys like Luis Severino, Jameson Tyone and Nestor Cortez. And the only reason Severino's preservation is happening is because he's injured. Tyone and Cortez are still being thrown out there. Pitch counts elevated every start. Clay Holmes needs to be, needs to be preserved hasn't had this type of success in his entire life, has never faced this many high-leverage situations in his entire life, and he keeps being thrown out there and thrown out there. Comes in in a five-run game, a six-run game the other night. Why? Give him the day off. So, And then that's when you reach the other part of the argument where it's like, when you should actually be resting, guys, you're not doing it. Pull guys from the game when you have big leads. Don't throw your high-leverage relievers when you're up by six runs. I don't know. I don't even know what I just said, but it all makes sense to me.
1: And Holmes gave up a run in that game. And he did, yeah. Why is he in? Came in in a nine, nine, three game did not throw up. A, you just want to see him throw up scoreless innings. And he did in the 13 inning absolute slog fest shit show. I mean, like what else is there to say? Like, pre, did you kind to of preview this the weekend series against the Red Sox? Like, Not really. It's Domingo Herman, Frankie Montas, and uh, Jamison Tyone. Tyone's actually been better in big games lately, and he had a good start in Seattle. I I think he's – I trust him more than I trust Herman. I'll tell you that much right now. Even though Herman's had two good starts in a row, best of luck to all of you folks watching that one. Uh, I don't think the Yankees faced Nick Pavetta in this series. He gave up a three-run home run yesterday, fell to the mound, and sucked his thumb. Uh, I just want to all celebrate that moment while we still can because I don't know how many more positives we're getting this weekend – This is it. You want to pretend you can you can crank it up in October, then fantastic. Because you're not going to make it to October in an advantageous position if you can't handle the Red Sox, Rays, Jays, and Mets over the next week and a half. Uh, The Yankees are the records against their rivals this year are good: six and four against the Sox, seven and three against Tampa, eight and four against Toronto, eleven and five against the O's, who are now in flames. Those games are all banked; they're all over. You did it congrats some nice wins couple tough losses more wins than losses now you got to step up and do it again you can't only do it for half of the season and if uh, the the Yankees were not barely holding on right that's what I think we need to remember that if this team does spiral and they're losing a lot of winnable games and I'm not saying they're gonna spiral but they're making a spiral possible if they do spiral it's a complete reversal. And some of it's injury related. They lose King, they lose Severino, they lose Stanton. They Rizzo's not the same guy right now. They lose Carpenter all in a row. Those really hurt. Uh and, and so this is not quite the same team that played in the first half. But they are bludgeoning people in terms of uh, runs scored versus runs allowed. The run differential is monstrous. All the factors that indicate team success indicate the Yankees should be an extremely good team. They're 71 and 41. They've got an unlucky Pythagorean win loss. Says he should be 77 and 35. Says they should be six games better than they are. Says they should be right up there with the Dodgers. The Yankees have been spectacular this year and are still having one of the unluckiest seasons in Major League Baseball. Think about that. So all of the numbers say they should be even better than they are if they continue to perform this poorly. That is a stunning reversal, and it's really difficult to argue that that that's even something that a staff should be able to handle. But if that does happen, you got to go full 95. Change the shortstop, Cashman gone, Boone gone. And I'm sorry, but that would be – it would be more stunning than blowing a 3-0 lead in the 2004 ALCS. It It would. You can the Yankees didn't have pitching in 2004 and you want to talk Pythagorean records. I'm happy to talk Pythagorean records with you all day. The 2004 Yankees are you, are you ready for this? I don't think you are. Went 101 and 61. 101 win team. Pythagorean record based on luck, based on how many of these games they deserved to win and they outplayed their opponent, 89 and 73. 2004 Yankees were 12 games lucky. The Red Sox wanted it more. They had the pitching advantage. You've seen Kevin Millar's clip all the time. We got Pedro. We got Schilling. You don't want us to win tonight. No, Yankees didn't want you to win tonight because they had the advantage of games four and five, and they won four in a row. For a cursed team like the Red Sox, really impressive. I, you're not going to catch me saying the 2004 Red Sox comeback was not impressive. But the 2004 Yankees, were a ridiculously lucky regular season team that fell apart in the playoffs. The 2022 Yankees have been a ridiculously good regular season team that's been insanely unlucky. So if they manage to blow this this lead or or end up petering out of the playoffs, then that is stunning and and unprecedented. Now, of course, the real worry isn't that they flame out and don't reach October. The worry is that, we get to October and there's zero confidence in this team's ability to execute because they feel nothing like the first half Yankees. That's it. I think that's a more reasonable panic button to press. That's, it. that's the panic button. Yeah. That's, that's it
3: for me. I'm not worried about anything else. you, know, you could, they'll, they'll be able to survive the regular season. They'll get these injuries back. They'll get these players back from injury before the end of this month. And then be able to, you know, rip off a ton of wins over the next yeah, over the remaining five weeks of the season. My whole thing's a narrative you got balls, you go into Boston undermanned and you beat a Red Sox team that's not very good, even though all their all their um all their underachievers managed to kick your ass in, in various games. We've seen it. Don't no let it Christian
1: happen. Vasquez, Aaron, no, gay, no. Aaron uh, Judge.
3: Yeah. How about this? I'll leave you guys with this. Aaron Judge, Yankees best player. J- Yankees don't have Red Sox killer John Carlos Stanton, who's also beat the shit out of the Red Sox this year. Don't have him this time around. Aaron Judge, career against the Red Sox, seventy five games. 244 average, 821 OPS. Not bad. 18 homers, 40 RBIs, 90 strikeouts, 9-0 in 75 games. At Fenway Park, 181 average, 604 OPS, 5 homers, 12 RBIs. That has to change. It's got to change now. I don't want to put more pressure on Aaron Judge, but I don't know who else is going to really move the needle for the Yankees at Fenway this weekend. Maybe you get get a Benintendi revenge series. I don't know. I'm not banking on that. But the way that the rest of this offense has performed – um, outside of D.J. LeMahieu and Judge, I just don't know. I don't know how healthy Anthony Rizzo is, but Aaron Judge's numbers at Fenway are way below average, cannot persist if he's going to be a Yankee for life. This needs to at least normalize to something okay.
1: Can't be this bad. That's it. I keep forgetting they're not playing tonight. We have a merciful day off from the Yankees before Yankee Sox starts. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review. Long in the mailbag question. We will be uh, pretty unhappy to answer it at this point. Again, this is so beyond frustrating. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the very pleasant people who love to send Isaiah Kinder for of death threats find you?
3: At Tommy's underscore takes. Don't send that shit my way. I don't want to see any of that awful stuff. Um, head on over to yanksgoyard.com plenty of content there for you. A lot of Red Sox, Yankees, relative stuff for this weekend, post trade deadline things, hating the Yankees. We know you guys like that. We're getting a lot of uh, audience uh, from it and readers um, keep on coming back. We got more. Talk to us in the official yanksgoyard yard, Twitter account at yanksgoyardfs yard FS. Enjoy the day off. Take some deep breaths, maybe a meditation day. This, this, this evening before this series weekend against the Red Sox, in Boston, at Fenway, relax, folks. Let's get this win. Get one win, you know? Get a series win, but you can't get swept, and don't make it look ugly and have it be awfully painful. Let's just try to get through this together. We'll have the good vibes going in. Maybe Yankees will prove us something. We'll talk to you next time on Monday.
2: Yes, we will.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels.